0: Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. It's really all about it's about the death the execution or the, or, or the crucifixion of Jesus, as well as his burial and his resurrection. And I'm waiting on, the, are you having a technical? There we go, there we go. Jesus died a horrific death. Let's ask a question this morning, and maybe you've never asked it. Maybe you've just assumed, yeah, he died and he was buried he rose again. Why did he have to die? Ask yourself that question this morning on this Easter Sunday. Because understanding why Jesus had to die is the most important bit of knowledge a person can possess on the face of this earth. Whether you live in America, China, Canada, Brazil, the most important knowledge you can have is that of the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you don't understand that, if you don't understand why he had to die, it raises the question that you may not understand the gospel, therefore you may not be saved, which means that when you die, you will spend eternity in hell. Thus the reason why this should interest you this morning, that you go out of here with a proper understanding of why Jesus had to die. Let's first of all look at the execution or the crucifixion itself. And then we're going to answer the question. In John chapter 19, and there are gospel accounts, there are four gospel accounts of the crucifixion of Christ. We're going to look at one of them. We're going to look from John's perspective. And in John chapter 19, he describes it this way. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. They they beat him bloody. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. And they were mocking him and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Then we skip down to verse number 16. We pick up the story. Then delivered he him, therefore, them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two other with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. We have read a portion of the story of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. There is much more. And this story tells us, That he died. But I think we can look at another story that will give us greater insight as to why he died. And I'm talking about a story that is familiar to many of you. It's a story that we find in John chapter 4 and verse number 1. A very simple story, a very beautiful story of Jesus meeting a woman at the well. I think that story signifies to us very well as to the reason why Jesus died. We pick up the story in John chapter 4, verse number 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. The hypocrites were hypocritical religious elites of that day. They didn't like John the Baptist. They didn't like Jesus. They got word that Jesus was was baptizing people, although it says he, he, he didn't. And they were going to come after him. And Jesus got wind of this. And he decides that he's going to go north to Galilee because his time had not come yet. Now, going from where he was in the south to Galilee presented a problem. Because from where he was in Judea to Galilee, in between there lay Samaria. And there was no love lost between the Jews and the Samaritans. But the scripture says he had to go there, he must needs go. There's a reason that he doesn't avoid Samaria like many Jews did when they were traveling north. There was a reason he chose to go through this place where the Jews didn't like them and they didn't like the Jews. In verse number five, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Zikar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, And it was about the sixth hour, or midday. So Jesus and his disciples are making their way north through Samaria. No doubt it's a hot, dusty summer day. They come to this well, and Jesus, being tired, rests there by the well. Then in verse number 7, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. So here comes this Samaritan woman, and there is this Jewish man sitting there at the well. And Jesus initiates a conversation with her. I believe he was thirsty. But understand, when this woman walks up there, this is a divine appointment. In verse number 9, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest Have asked of him, and he would have given the living water. Well, this woman is shocked that at this well there's a Jewish man, and shocked all the more that he would ask a favor of her. And when Jesus answers her as to why he's asking her for water, basically what he's saying there is that if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for living water. Verse number 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? You know, it, it, it went over her head. She, she didn't get it. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? The woman is not getting it at first. That's to be really understood. She says, You you can't give me water. You, You don't have anything to get the water with. And she asked, Do you have some other source of water better than this one, better than Jacob's well? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh water, whosoever drinketh of this water, talking about the well water, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, shall never thirst again. I can imagine her really, you know, you kind of, if you can see it there, there's, I chose this picture because you can, if you can see it, she, she's got this kind of perplexed look on her face. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus explains to her that What he's talking about is an entirely different type of water. A water that will quench your thirst for eternity. Then the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. This just took a dramatic turn, this conversation. Follow where Jesus is going with this. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidest thou truly. The woman is very interested in this Living water. And Jesus reveals the kind of water that is, will last for a lifetime, and He wants her to experience this. So He asks her about her husband and reveals that she's living with a man now and had had five husbands previous. He was revealing a thirst in her soul. And this woman was looking for something, man after man after man after man, and obviously not finding it. A thirst in her soul that was not being quenched. And the truth of the matter is, folks, all unsaved people have this thirst in their soul. All people that have never come to the living water live daily with a thirst in their soul. You see, without Christ, we're incomplete. And thus, we're unsatisfied and we're unsettled. So was that woman, so are unsaved people today. And people that don't come to Christ, that don't know Jesus, that put Jesus off, try to quench that thirst. Because we're incomplete without Him. We were made for fellowship with God. Our sin separates us from God. So there is a longing in our soul. And unsafe people will try to quench that thirst with people, with things, with alcohol, with drugs, with pleasure, with excitement, with travel, or personal accomplishments. But none of those things will quench the thirst of one's soul. Nothing in this world can satisfy the soul. In fact, the elusive search for that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow only tends to frustrate people, only tends to discourage people, in many cases, filling people with anger or depression or anxiety. One of the reasons we have so much anxiety in this world is there is a longing in people's souls. And there is only one person that can satisfy that longing completely. And that is Jesus Christ, the living water. So in verse number 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You see, the Lord brought up the sin in her life. We preachers often have to do that. We have to show people that where you are is you're living in sin. And and we we try to tell them that it isn't working, it's never going to satisfy. And there is an answer. Life doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't have to be filled with so much drama. You don't have to live in such anxiety and such doubt and such fears. And when you start explaining that to someone, almost invariably they will try to change the subject. We're so filled with pride. We're so, we're so filled with wanting to do it our way that when we do hear the truth, we tend as lost people to be resistant. So she changes, she changes the subject here. She says, uh, uh, our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She's getting under conviction now. This man has pointed out her sin. And to a degree, that's the job of pastors. Many people want to change the subject when they get convicted. They have a thirst in their soul, but they may not initially like the idea of finding the satisfaction in Jesus Christ and yielding to him and giving your life to him. Verse number 21. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me. The hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Verse number 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus responds to this woman when she starts talking about, well, you Jews, you worship in Jerusalem, and we worship here. He responds to that by by telling her that uh, worship isn't about a place. He says the answer is spiritual. He says people are searching, often looking in the wrong place. Jesus says to her, worship is about spirit, spiritual realities, not superficial things. Worship is about truth, the truth of the word of God, the truth of the gospel, not the opinions of men. He says, where you worship isn't what is important. It's how you worship, worshiping in spirit, worshiping in truth. Then in verse number 25, she responds to that. The woman saith unto him, I know the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. The woman, it's beginning to come into focus slowly what she's hearing from Jesus. She acknowledges the differences between the Jews and the Samaritans. And she says, yeah, and Jesus is going to come and he's going to set us straight. And Jesus basically responds to her by saying, yeah, you're looking at him. The Messiah, my terminology, not his, you're looking at him. And in verse 27, and upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Remember, there's no love lost between the Jews and the Samaritans. Yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? These disciples are revealing their human limitations, and Questioning what they saw and not really understanding what they saw. Verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is this not the Christ? She has become a believer. That's a rhetorical question. Is this not the Christ? And this is the Christ. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. The woman forgot her mission. She forgot her water pot, it says. She was excited to tell everybody that she had met the Messiah. She is now saved. We come back to verse number 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed, saying, Master, eat. Okay, she goes back in the town. Jesus is left with the disciples. They're at the well. Everybody's hungry. They say to Jesus, because they had gone into town to find food, they say, Eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. He says, I'm on a mission that you really find hard to understand. Therefore said the disciples one to another, because, again, it goes over their head. They didn't get it. Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus, come and eat. He says, I don't need to eat. They said, who brought him food? Well, nobody brought him food. And he explains. This is critical. Why did Jesus die? Jesus saith unto them, my meat or my work is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. The disciples encouraged Jesus to eat. They said to him, you know, eat. And he says, my will is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He says, I don't need to eat. I need to finish my work work. Jesus had already done a lot. He'd been born in a manger. He had healed people. He had brought people back to the dead. Uh, from the dead, he, he, he was able to give a sight to blind people. But after this conversation with this woman, and the disciples questioned him, and this is key, he said, I have to finish my work. For that woman to experience what she experienced, he had to finish his work. Now we close, going back to John's, John's account of the crucifixion. In verse number 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. He's hanging on the cross. We're back at the crucifixion. He told the apostles, My work isn't finished. I've come to finish my work. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. He's hanging on the cross. Verse 30. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. He went all the way so that that woman at the well could be saved. So that Glenn McMorris, as a young man down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, could be saved. Sharing the same and so many people in here. He finished. He died. And just as he said, three days later, he arose from the dead. And there's not greater documentation of any event in history more than all the witnesses that saw Jesus after he was crucified after he was buried, and after he came back to life, so that that woman at the well could be saved, and so that you and your children and your family and your friends could be saved. And he hung there on the cross. He told the apostles, I've got to finish. He was so focused. I'm not even hungry. You ever been that way? You're on a project and you 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 know, supper's ready. No, I'm I'm not, I'm focused. Well, multiply that by a thousand. And then hanging on the cross, he says, it's finished. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.